who in here likes to eat? Oh, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Let's get for real. Who likes to eat dessert? There we go. Two hands. I saw two hands over here. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, have you all ever heard of a restaurant called Tippins? Very old restaurant. I don't even know if they have any anymore. I remember as a kid going to my grandparents' house in Carrollton, Texas. They had a Tippins there. Tippins was famous for about 200 varieties of pie, and it was amazing. That's where I discovered French silk pie. You may ever had French silk pie? Good. Y'all know what heaven's going to taste like. Uh, but have you ever had the experience at, say, Thanksgiving, and uh, inevitably someone will try to get you to eat more food, and they'll say, uh, you know, we've got some more turkey, or we've got some more ham, or we've got some more of this, and you'll say, no thanks, I'm full. Y'all ever been like that? Like, I am just stuffed. I'm, I'm one bite of mashed potatoes away from my, the button on my pants popping kind of deal. Um, well, I can remember going to my grandmother's house, which we, we did for this past Thanksgiving, and uh, she's always trying to get everybody to eat more food. Anybody have a grandmother like that? Always trying to get everybody to eat more food. Um, filled up on, I, I, I try to get at least a bite of everything there. Even the fruit salad, I'll get some fruit, but I'll get mainly whipped cream. But I'll, I'll try to get a bite of everything that is spread out. And uh, so I can say, oh, that was good. I had some of that. That was good. And, uh, and so I get a little bit of all of it. And she tries to get me to eat more. I'll say, no, I am, I am, I'm, I'm, just, I'm stuffed beyond stuffed. Um, I'm just exploding here. Uh, and then she pulls out of the freezer the French soap pie. Like, well, wait, I've, I've actually got a little more room. <laughs> I've got just a little bit more room. Uh, give me about a 15-minute breather, and, and I'll dig into that pie for you there with the homemade whipped cream. That I'm all about that. You know, when it comes to what we want, it does feel like sometimes you know, we've really got a little bit more room. Even in our lives, in our schedule. We may feel like our schedule is full, but when it's something we really want to do, we've really got a little more room that we make room for if it's something we really want to do. We'll, we'll make sure we build the room in for that thing. We want to have it, to experience it. And when it comes to being full, uh, we don't often understand our full capacity you know, what we're able to contain. And today we're going to be talking about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's a phrase that's in Scripture. That's a phrase that's often used in Christian culture, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're going to examine what does Scripture actually say about that? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit according to Scripture? Not just an idea or, or an idea that's out there, so even something that somebody's told you. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I mean, in Scripture we can see it. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, the apostles, it says they were filled with the Spirit. They went out into the street and they told people about Jesus. And 3,000 people got saved that day. So they were filled with the Spirit on that day. But what's interesting about that book of Acts passage, them being filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, a couple chapters later in Acts 4, it says again that at that point they were filled with the Spirit. So at some point between Acts 2 and Acts 4, they weren't filled anymore. They were filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, 
went out and did amazing things. People got saved. Thousands of people got saved. Then in Acts 4, they were filled again. So there had to be, uh, they had to have, you know, less than filling somewhere between Acts 2 and Acts 4. Uh, if they were filled once and then had to be filled again, somewhere in between, they were not as full. Um, we see all throughout Scripture the Holy Spirit coming and, and filling people and changing their lives and impacting greatly what they're able to do. I mean, you can go back to the Old Testament. In the book of Judges, you can see it. I mean, Samson, I mean, key, prime example. It actually says the, 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 the wordage, uh, the verbiage, I think it's uh, Judges 14 and 15, when Samson has the Holy Spirit come on him, it says the Holy Spirit rushed on him. And in those moments, he was able to do those great feats of strength. Uh, but going on into the New Testament, we see that Stephen, in Acts chapter 6, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 11, it says that Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, we have to understand you know, the, the base root of the Holy Spirit uh, that we've been talking about now for several weeks. And it starts with the fact that every believer has the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So the inverse of that is also true. You belong to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. If you belong to Jesus, you have his Spirit. That doesn't mean you get him a little bit and he goes away and he comes back a little bit and he goes away. I mean, that's a continual idea. If you believe in Jesus, you have his spirit for all time. But there's a difference between having his spirit and being filled with his spirit. Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to each believer is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So again, every believer has the spirit. And what Paul says in that verse is you have a, a, an outward demonstration of the spirit in your life. Here he's talking about spiritual gifts. So every believer not only has a spirit, but the spirit brings to that believer spiritual gifts. However old the believer is, children, they believe in Jesus, they have spiritual gifts. Adults believe in Jesus, they have spiritual gifts. Somebody who was as far away from Jesus as you can get comes to Jesus, they get spiritual gifts just like you do, having been raised in church, if that was you. Anybody and everybody you come to Jesus, we all start on the same footing. We're desperately in need of him. He comes, he saves us, his spirit comes. And he brings us to where he wants us all as individuals to be. So every believer has the Holy Spirit. But then what is meant in Scripture by the filling of the Spirit? Well, open your Bibles if you have them to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're going to use a Bible on the rack there in front of you, it's on page 978 is where we're going to be. And again, if you're in the room and you don't have a Bible, take the Bible home that's in front of you on that rack. Go and find one. Take it. If you, know, if you have a family member a friend who needs a Bible, take that Bible home. All right? And we got other Bibles we can fill that slot with. So just take that one home, and, and that can be your gift. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't have a Valentine's gift for your significant other. There's a Bible right there. <laughs> I got this just for you. I was thinking about you yesterday, and I got, I, I just, I, Bible. Here's a Bible right there. Uh, you can get, take that one home. Uh, there you go. Uh, don't, don't say we never, we did nothing for, we never did anything for you. Uh, so Ephesians chapter five, uh, we've been actually. What's interesting in the way God works, we've been uh, studying starting last fall on Wednesday nights. We started studying Galatians, 
And then we went from Galatians on to Ephesians because it was the next book of the Bible. Well, this past Wednesday, we finished Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Well, today we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Uh, God just works that out. So if you've been wondering if you want to come on Wednesday night, well, you're getting, uh, we'll finish today in Ephesians 5, verse, what, uh, 21. And then Wednesday, we'll start Ephesians 5, 22. So you're, you're leg up on the game. So go ahead and come Wednesday night. You'll be part of the study. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 is where we're going to be at. But Paul's been talking here to this church in Ephesus. Uh, he, he spent a dedicated amount of time talking about being unified for the cause of Christ, putting aside anything that doesn't matter because all that matters is the gospel and coming together for the purpose of the gospel and loving one another um, for the sake of the gospel. And he says that's what it means to be a mature Christian. That's what it means to be unified, to be an advocate for one another, to be pursuing Jesus together, even when we have differences. It's, it's walking towards Jesus together. And then he gives this exam- these examples here in Ephesians chapter 5 of what it looks like to be a mature Christian, demonstrations of that in our lives um, when we're walking with him. Uh, and so he gives these verses here kind of at the, the end of some of that section um, there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So he starts off and he says, look carefully how you walk. So pay very special attention uh, so that every part of your life is filled with wisdom. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. So pay very special attention so that every part of your life is filled with wisdom. Be very careful so that every part of your life is filled with wisdom because what inevitably will happen is we will put it on auto mode and we will live by accident sometimes. We will allow things to take place. We won't be intentional uh, in certain areas. Maybe we'll be intentional in some areas because it takes great brain power to accomplish this one thing, but then we'll go home to our family or or we'll sit down on the couch or we'll do this one mundane thing at, at our job or in our yard and we won't live on purpose in that moment because we just wanna, you know, turn the switch off and not have to really think about anything. We'll veg out. We'll, we'll binge. We, we just won't think about anything or we'll slip into our default mode of complaining and gossip and other things because it's easier that way than to live on purpose in those moments, to, to be intentional about how we're living right then and right there. But what Paul says in that verse is look carefully how you walk. Look carefully. He's saying how you live, how you behave, what's in your life. Don't live on accident. Live on purpose. Even though the great Modern-day philosopher, Elmo, would say, accidents happen, that's what they say. Accidents happen, and that's okay. But do you really want your life to just be okay? If you live on accident, you may just experience an okay life. I mean, when you get to heaven, do you really want to hear from God, mediocre job, half-hearted servant? Or do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? We're not meant to live on accident. We're meant to live on purpose. Because a purpose-filled life is a great life. A purpose-filled life is a great life. There's a reason that that book, The Purpose Driven Life, 
is the second highest selling book of all time, only behind the Bible. Because people are looking for purpose. They want to live on purpose, seeking out what is my purpose and how can my life be purpose-filled. Well, a purpose-filled life is a great life. But how do we find out what our purpose is? Well, the next verse points us in that direction, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So look at that verse. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So it's a foolish and wasted life that doesn't understand the Lord's will. It's a foolish and wasted life that doesn't understand what the Lord's will is. But then the question becomes, okay, I see that in the verse, but how do I understand what the Lord's will is? How can I, I understand, I need to have a purpose-filled life. How do I have a purpose-filled life? I need to follow the Lord's will. Okay, how do I know what the Lord's will is? How do I know it? Well, the way Paul's progressing in this passage, he gives us that in the next verse, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. There it is, filled with the Spirit. This is the crux of the morning, what we're diving into, being filled with the Spirit. How is that possible? Well, we've got to look at the first half of the verse. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Now, I know you all use debauchery in everyday life. I mean, that's one, that's, that's one of your key vocab words. You wake up in the morning and you say, I just do not get into debauchery today. I know it's all right there in the forefront of your mind. Uh, but for those of us who, who you know, aren't encyclopedias, uh, the definition of this word is recklessness. It's a lack of concern for consequences. You ever make decisions that are reckless? Or do you ever make decisions with a lack of concern for the consequences? Or you thought about the consequences, but you don't really care because you know the consequences are coming anyway. You just want to enjoy the moment. That's reckless. That's debauchery. I mean, that's literally the word, what it means. Recklessness. A lack of concern for the consequences. And what we've been looking at throughout this passage is an accidental life. An accidental life is reckless. Paul wants us to live on purpose. An accidental life is reckless. Paul's been instructing us throughout this passage and before all of Ephesians chapter 5, what the life of a follower of Jesus is supposed to look like, be purpose-filled, how it's supposed to play out. And he mentions a variety of things that have no place in the Christian's life. And an accidental life, recklessness, has, has no place in the life of a follower of Jesus. So he says, don't be reckless. He says, and part of recklessness, he gives an example, an illustration, is do not get drunk with wine. That word drunk means to completely submit to the influence of alcohol. And this is an important definition for just in a moment. This is what this means. To completely submit to the influence of alcohol. Do not get drunk with wine. To completely submit to its influence. But now we have the way Paul sets this up, because this verse, if, if you know much about literature, this is a parallel verse. He's talking this way, he uses the same form in the second, and, and he uses each a parallel part of the verse, the sentence, to correspond to each other. So do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So being drunk with wine is essentially being filled with wine, allowing it to influence you. Being filled with the Spirit is the, the inverse of that. And so if we take that definition, being completely uh, submitted to the influence of alcohol, and apply it to the second part of the verse, we get the definition for being filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to completely submit to the influence of the Spirit. So that's what being filled with the Spirit means. Complete submission 
to the influence of the Spirit. Some of us may experience the conviction of the Spirit or may con- you know, experience the Spirit's influence and, and direction, but then we choose to ignore it. The Spirit may say in Walmart, you need to share the gospel with that guy right over there. You need to share the gospel with your waiter at the restaurant. You may need to inject a conversation about Jesus into your marriage. You may need to tell your nephew about the gospel. You may need to share the gospel with your grandmother. However, the Spirit's influence is on you. Being filled with the Spirit is complete submission to his influence. It's allowing him to have his way because he knows best in our lives. Being filled with the Spirit is to completely submit to the influence of the Spirit. However, far too often, we may find ourselves in a, in a mindset of not wanting to submit to anything that we don't have control over. We want to submit to our own reasoning. We want to submit to our own plan. We, want to, we don't want to have to submit to somebody else because that means they have control, even if it's the Holy Spirit. We can mentally acknowledge, I know the Spirit, I, I, I know He has the best plan and the perfect plan, but then if I surrender control and be filled and influenced by his direction, then I'm not in control anymore. And, and, and I want to be in control. I'm going to hold the reins. You know, Jesus, take the wheel. It's a good song, but I'm going to hold on to the wheel, and you just tell me where to go, and I'll go with you if you want me to go, if I want to go the direction you're telling me to go. And he says, turn right, and we turn, you know, left. And we say, eh, I'm not going to go where you're going to go, Jesus. I'm going to go where I want And so we don't follow his influence. However, we do willfully submit often uh, by default, by accident, to the influence of a wide variety of things. Far too often, we willfully submit to the influence of the news. Or we willfully submit to the influence of what's on our social media feed, to the algorithm. Or we willfully submit to the perspectives uh, and, and opinions of other people and allow them to direct our lives. Or we willfully submit to the runaway train of our own minds and make wide assumptions about individuals. And, and, and this assumption, we make this leap to over here, and being over here makes us leap to over here, and this, this assumption that we leapt over here to makes us leap to over here, and now we're way away from what is truth, and we're walking in this path and making decisions based upon assumptions on based on assumptions, based on assumptions, and, and it gets us to a place where we're so far out of where God wants us to be that we don't know, we don't recognize our lives. Assumptions can kill relationships. Assumptions can kill what God wants to do in your life. And so we have to back that up and say, wait a minute, I'm allowing this news, I'm allowing this gossip, I'm allowing social media, I'm allowing the opinions and perceptions of other people, I'm allowing the influence of, of whatever I'm binging at the moment to, to direct my thoughts, to, to, to uh, guide my neural pathways, to change my very personality. But I don't know how to stop that. I mean, this runaway train in my mind, I don't know how to stop it. It just keeps going and these thoughts keep coming. I don't know how to quiet any of these influences. They just, just, just are driving me crazy and consuming my mind. What can I do? How can I do get away from this? I came across this really interesting illustration by D.L. Moody, a guy who lived 150 years ago. 
Let me take a quick drink. Hang on. <laughs> this is a glass. Just in case you didn't know. It's made out of glass. It is uh, a glass. What's in the glass right now? Air. Air is in the glass. Got a lot of scratches on it. <laughs> uh, how can I get the air out? I mean, I could, I could put a lid on it, a cap, and I could, I could create, you know, make you stick a vacuum in the cap. I could suck the air out. But that would create a vacuum in the glass and break the glass. If I suck it out, if I remove what's in it. Exactly. The only way to remove what's in it is to fill it with something else. Is to fill it with something life-giving. Is to fill it with something that can change everything. Anybody think it was going to overflow? <laughs> I did. The glass is our life. And the air, that's those influences. The perceptions of other people, the opinions of other people, the runaway train of our minds. That's the air. And the only way to get the air out is to fill our lives with something else. Fill our lives with the spirit. Okay, preacher man. I don't want that to spill all over my Bible here. So I'm definitely going to put that down there. Singers, don't kick that over later. Uh, the only way to, f how, how do we fill our lives then with that? How do we fill our lives with the Spirit? I mean, do we say, Spirit, come. I'm just going to sit here till you come. I'll, I'll, my mouth open so you can just, it's, yeah, just fill it all the way up. I just overflow, spill all over me. How do we do it? Well, we're going to get there in just a second, but let's look at the next couple of verses, because Paul, Paul spends the next couple of verses giving evidence for what, or evidence that's in a person's life who has the filling of the Spirit. This is what their life looks like, verses 19, 20, and 21. So uh, they are addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So look at those again. So singing, so your songs are musical. Uh, no, your, your, life doesn't have to be, your life doesn't have to be musical. Uh, but he's talking about joy here. Joy that is obvious. Joy that is overflowing. So a person who's filled with the Spirit has joy. Verse 20, giving thanks is grateful. In verse 21, you submit out of reverence for Christ, for the sake of Christ, so you're selfless. So the filling of the Holy Spirit brings joy, gratitude, and selflessness. If you don't have those things, you're not filled with the Spirit. If somebody else says, I am filled with the Spirit 24-7, but they're not displaying joy or selflessness, they're not filled with the Spirit. Paul is telling us, this is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, to, to have these things. Joy, gratitude, selflessness. But let's look back real quick at the, at the questions we've examined so far. 
How do you live a purpose-filled life? By understanding the Lord's will. Verse 17. How do you understand the Lord's will? Be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18. But then again, how do you specifically, how can you be filled with the Spirit? Well, I came across this in studying this passage. Uh, Flip over a few pages to Colossians chapter 3. A few pages to your right. Right after this book is Philippians, and then right after Philippians is Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. So I want you to remember what we just read. The evidence for a person filled with the Spirit. They're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're giving thanks, and for the sake of Christ, they are submitting. Here we go. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of the Lord dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it starts off there in verse 16. Let the word of the Lord dwell in you richly. So when the word of the Lord is in you in large quantities... That's richly, that's what that means. When the word of the Lord is in you in large quantities, you're able to have, what does he describe there? Singing, joy. You're able to have joy and gratitude and living, do everything for Christ in selflessness. So when the word of the Lord is in you in great quantities, you're able to have joy and gratitude and selflessness, which sounds very familiar to what we just read. Because being filled with the word and being filled with the Spirit produce the same results. The Spirit fills the one who is filled with the Word. The Spirit fills the one who is filled with the Word. But now hang on a second. Let's remember what it means to be filled, right? Being filled means to completely submit to influence. To be completely submit, uh, to, to completely submit to influence. So, We're not merely talking about scripture memorization for the sake of memorization, or if you have more Bible verses memorized, you get more spirit. Because you could have the whole New Testament memorized and not have any of it influence you at all. And you would not be filled with the spirit. Because what matters here is application. You could have somebody who has one verse memorized but is applying it to their life with extreme gusto, be full of the Spirit, and somebody who has got 300 verses memorized filled with no Spirit. Because it's about allowing the influence in you. Allowing his influence in you. Allowing the Word's influence in you. The, one fill, the Spirit fills the one filled with the Word. You see, what this does... What, what spirit or, or what, what, what scripture's influence in you, uh, scripture memorization in you, scripture ingestion in you. What scripture does is it prepares your heart for the coming of the spirit. It prepares your heart to be filled with the spirit. You see, it, it's uh, scripture prepares the soil of your heart for the reign of the spirit. If the dirt work isn't done, the seed's not going to grow as it was intended. And Scripture prepares you for that moment. It prepares you for the coming and filling of the Spirit. I guarantee you those 
apostles, those 12 disciples waiting in that upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. They may have known some scripture because they hung out with Jesus for a couple years. But they didn't have near the scripture memorized that old Paul did, and he was killing Christians before Jesus got a hold of him. And yet, the difference between Paul before he got saved and those disciples in that upper room was allowing the scripture to influence them. Those guys in the upper room were allowing the the, the, the words of Jesus to influence every aspect of their lives to the point of them waiting in that room for 10 days for the coming of the helper spirit. So you have to ask yourself, do you want to be filled with the spirit? Really? Not just, oh yeah, I'm in the church, I'm a Christian, I want to be filled with the spirit, that's what it says, you got to be filled with the spirit, he tells us to be filled with the spirit, I want the spirit to be filled with but do you really want it? Because being filled with the Spirit is going to mess you up. It's going to mess you up. It's going to mess up your schedule. It's going to mess up your life. It's going to change your demeanor. It's going to change your attitude. It's going to change your schedule. It may change your job. It may change your circle of friends. It's going to change a lot. Do you really want to be influenced by the Spirit that much? Because this is the, I mean, truthfully, I mean, this is the line in the sand between Christians just playing at being Christians and Christians changing the world. Being filled with the Spirit. Allowing His influence completely in your life. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, do I want to just play at this anymore? Or am I ready to step up to the plate? Am I ready to go after everything God's placed before me? And so that means allowing Scripture to have its way in my life, to completely submit to the influence of Scripture. Every part, even the parts I don't like, even the parts that are really, really, really hard, that forgiveness stuff, man. Mm. Jesus didn't know my life. I guarantee you he did. But that also means complete submission to the Spirit and his direction, and his path, and his guidance in everything. So do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Do you want to completely submit to the influence of the Spirit? Are you prepared? (laughs) Are you prepared for the filling? And if you're not prepared, all right, here's the instruction manual. You should take this home and memorize as much of it as you can. Take it digest it, allow it to change you over, and you will feel like a whole new person, I guarantee you. Your life will change, the people's lives around you will change because of your change. And the world will be a better place because of the spirit in you. So are you prepared for the spirit's influence? Are you willing to be prepared for the spirit's influence? Do you want to meet the Spirit today for the first time? Believe in Jesus that he is God's son, that he came so all of your sins would be forgiven, and then he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. That's how it starts. Believe in Jesus, and you gain eternal life. And so one way or another, everybody in the room has to make a decision. Do I want to know Jesus? Do do I want the Spirit's influence in my life? 
So wherever you find yourself sitting in a green pew or if you're watching online and you're sitting wherever you're, wherever you're sitting, you, you need to make a decision today. Do I need to know Jesus? Am I willing to be filled with the Spirit? Am I willing to be completely influenced by him in my life, to submit to his influence? Maybe your decision is a part of being influenced by the Spirit. The Spirit's been talking to some of you. Maybe today you need to join the church and say, I'm ready to put my life here and, and, and do what God has for me here and use the spiritual gifts he's placed in me here. Maybe God's been putting it on your heart. I need to get baptized. I need to show the world that I belong to Jesus. Baptism doesn't save you, but it shows the world you belong to Jesus. It's a demonstration of what he did for you. Going under the water represents dying to the old life, to sin. Coming out of the water represents getting a brand new life in Jesus. And I, you, listen, y'all hear that hum? That's the baptistry heater. It's on. You need to get baptized today? I didn't bring any clothes. Well, we got t-shirts. I can't help you with the pants part. But we got t-shirts and we got robes. If you need to get baptized today, we can do it today before you walk out of this room. So whatever decision you need to make for Jesus, make it today. Don't hesitate. Don't argue with God, I'll do it next week. No, Satan's good at making us delay. Don't delay. Say, no, I'm doing it now. Be decisive. Follow the influence of the Spirit. Get saved. Come to know Jesus. Get baptized. Join the church. Say, I'm going to be influenced by the Spirit today. This is day one. I'm going to start here. You see, we all need to make a decision. We all need to come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 7, let him who thirsts come and drink. Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who are laden. Revelation chapter 22, come, let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. You see, these decisions, spiritual decisions are personal. Personal decisions between you and Jesus. But those decisions don't need to remain in the quiet, in the dark. They need to be made public. They need to be declared. In the same way, the story we opened the service with, talking about who St. Valentine was, and he declared that you know, he was for Christ, and it cost him his life. Well, you're, you're not gonna, it's not going to cost you your life right here, right now in America. But will you make it public today? Because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. What decision do you need to make today for Jesus? Where are you in that process? Are you ready to decide to believe in Jesus for the first time today? Are you ready to be baptized today? Are you ready to put your life in this church today? Are you ready to, to be filled with the Spirit complete submission to his influence today. We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you in that moment to come. Make that decision if you need to make that decision. Maybe you, do, you just need to come here and drop down at these stairs, at this altar, and say, Jesus, I desperately need you. I need your filling. Jesus, I rely way too much on my own influence, way too much on my own runaway mind, and I need you to shake it up. I need you to 
reform those neural pathways in my brain and bring me to you. Maybe you need to come and pray that. Maybe you need to pray for a friend or a family member who needs the Spirit's influence to get a hold of them. Whatever decision you need to make today, let's all collectively, jointly, together come to Jesus.